Good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. Uh, autumn 2019 version. We've been off, well, I've been off for vacation, haven't recorded or posted. I've probably got one or two uh, backlogged things. Sorry about that. Thanks for your patience. Um, but I need to, yeah, really need to get more diligent with that this um, fall. Hopefully, um, we'll also be able to have some new uh, topics come up that will uh, refresh and, and uh, reinvigorate the podcast. Always looking for that. Always needing that. Uh, so, what's going been going on with me, you ask? Well, funny you should ask. Uh... A lot, actually. You know, we... I don't remember the last time I posted a podcast. It was in July, but... Uh, since that time, you know, we came back from the States. We were there in the uh, middle of June. Came back, so we've been back here July and August now. Been back for a couple months. <laughs> And uh, summer, even though I have fewer classes, it's still a very busy time for me. Uh, we had a summer camp with our kids, uh, which was really, really great. We got to go glamping, which is probably something that, uh, if, if you don't live in Japan, you've heard of, but it's, it's an amalgamation of glamorous and camping. Glamping is amalgamation the right word? I don't even know. Anyway, um, yeah, went glamping, which is sort of like rich man camping. So some groups uh, actually offer, uh, you know, campgrounds offer special spots where they provide electricity, maybe uh, you know, special lights, uh, more better than usual comfort bigger than usual tents uh, and, and it's camping but it's it's much more uh, <laughs> user-friendly is not the right word but but uh, you know much much um, more luxurious let's say and so we took some of our Akaiwa uh, <clears throat> kids to this new place that is uh, run by a friend of mine uh, who I do uh, rafting through, so he's kind of becoming Mr. Outdoor Ibaraki, really. Um, but he he got the opportunity to open up a place by this beautiful lake, which is not uh, very frequently visited, uh, and it happens to be the biggest man-made lake in Ibaraki, the biggest reservoir, I guess is the correct term. Um, but it was nice, so we got to stay there for one night, uh, barbecued and, and you know did a campfire with the kids and uh, the first day we went out on a raft um, and um, kind of just you know played around the lake and and uh, you know practice some rowing techniques with the kids and then on the second day we did we each had our own kayak we did some kayaking and actually I was in a kayak with uh, with my dog which was cool that was his first experience and that's been one of the biggest things that we've done this summer, fun-wise, with the dog is uh, introduce him to kayaking. 
uh, in boating. And so he's been on two different lakes uh, and a river now uh, and done really well. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he, he likes the water. We, we've always known that he liked the water, but he, he kind of loves the water. Like he looks forward to being on the boat. He whines when he can't be on the boat kind of thing. Uh, when he's by the lake and sees other people on the lake, he wants to go too, you know, and so it's kind of funny. Uh, I don't think I've talked a whole lot about Jack, but Jack is our three-year-old lab. He just recently turned three, and uh, yeah, he's a, just a bundle of energy and joy to be around. Uh, I'll get back to that a little later, but anyway, so yeah, we did uh, camping with the kids, and then the second day we decided to go up to uh, Tsukuba, which is a neighboring town, and we did uh, a ropes course, or a canopy course, uh, in this adventure park where you, uh, you clamp in, you have a harness, you clamp in, and you go through several, um, you know, treetop uh, obstacle courses, sort of, you know on ropes and swings and things like this and, and zip lines and uh, that was that was a lot of fun that's my second time doing that course and that was that was great uh, and then we went to the space center so we did that with the kids and and uh, then after that well we had my daughter home from Hawaii she was home for a while um, but now she's off to college in my hometown of St. Charles Missouri she started seems like she's having the time of her life that's Erica my middle daughter uh, my youngest daughter is now back in high school uh, for her sophomore year she just got back um, to that this I guess it was this last week maybe it's been a little over a week now but yeah anyway the end of August and uh, other than that, we've, you know, August is kind of a blur, really, because I've been involved in opera rehearsals. I'm uh, in an opera, uh, which goes on in about two and a half weeks. Did I remember the tickets? Maybe I forgot. Ah. No, maybe not. Maybe they're on my bag. Uh... Yeah, so that, that's been a big part of my August, is uh, going to rehearsals and also getting my costumes together. We have to actually do our own costume this time because, uh, well, this is my take on it. We have a very conservative governor uh, in the prefecture who is cutting all funding for arts. And so the, the, the company lost a bunch of its funding and so they asked us if we could do our own costumes, which... Um, is fun but expensive um, and pretty much the cost of the costume is going to take away any money that I will make from the opera but anyway at least I'll have the costume then it's not a total loss uh, so yeah I've been going to opera rehearsals um, quite a bit in August and that's uh, we had one week off but now we've got two and a half weeks before production so there'll be more rehearsals coming up so I really need to get everything honed in. Um, and I have to spend some time on that this weekend for my next rehearsal on Sunday. Anyway, I'm babbling. Um, two other things, uh, interesting things. I just spent 
four days and three nights uh, solo camping with my dog um, by a lake, which was really nice. We uh, had the first day we were there, it was quite cloudy, but you know, we didn't get there till the evening, so it was fine. But the second day, it was just rainy, solid, almost solid rain from morning uh, until night, uh, with just an hour maybe of, of uh, respite where we got out on the boat and then got dumped on. Jack and I were out in the kayak on this beautiful natural lake up in Fukushima. This is a different lake we were on. Um, up in the uh, Inawashiro area, uh, they call it Urabandai actually, which is uh, um, Urabandai means behind Bandai, which is a big mountain up there, big uh, old volcano, volcanic mountain. And these uh, lakes were formed by uh, the volcanic eruptions from Mount Bandai. I guess the lava flow trapped water here and there or whatever, made natural dams. Anyway, so we were up there for four days and, and the first night we were the only group camping in this campground. We were, my dog and I, we, that, that was it. And I camp in a, in a hammock, um, which is great for the rain because it keeps you up off the ground and, and so we have a big tarp and then the hammock under that. And, so that was fine. The, you know, rain the first day. We were, we were almost thinking about leaving after one night. I say we, me and my dog. I'm not sure what he was thinking, but <laughs> I was thinking to leave after one night, just because of all the rain. And you know, eventually it's it does kind of get into your campground and, and make things wet. But we stuck it out and we're blessed with a really great third day. Um, it was the weather was nice, not too hot, and and then we had a uh, after the the first rainy night we had an, another couple join us join next to us, and they stayed, um, and they had canoes, or they had a canoe. They were canoers, so we uh, got out in canoe slash kayaked together early the next morning, and they had been on the lake many times, and they wanted to show it to me, so it was great to have friends. That's one of the things I like about camping the most is the, the relationships you make with the people you camp around. Sometimes it's just really fun, you know. It's They don't know you, you don't know them, but you have a common interest in camping and and then there's all kinds of possibilities that can happen from that. And Anyway, yeah, it was great. Great to, to meet those guys. The Eda, Eda family, Eda couple. And so we went out, and that day, went out, I think I went out four different times. That was a Saturday. I was out four different times on the lake, on the kayak, and it was just really great. Really nice. Um, but I expected more of a religious experience being out there. I, I expected, you know, that kind of solitude for that long. I really expected you know, so to speak, lightning to strike. Um, that's why I, I like to go out. I'm not naturally a, um, you know, person who seeks solitude, although I'm becoming more and more that kind of person, but I, I haven't always been. 
that way. But when I have solitude, generally I have, I get some kind of a vision or a plan or a, uh, you know, a new look on something, a new perspective on my life, and I come back kind of ready and raring to go. But this time, I did a lot of just staring at the view. It was just so stunningly beautiful there. Uh, and if you happen to be uh, Facebook friends with me, you could you could see the pictures that I posted on Facebook from that. Um, but it was just so stunningly beautiful. Um, I also I could have recorded a podcast on the way up there on the way down, but I just didn't didn't feel the need for that. Um, but the one I, I guess the one bright spot spiritually is that I I finished and then re-listened to the audio book um, entitled Postcards from Babylon by Brian Zond. And Brian Zond, if you don't know him, is a big voice uh, of I don't even know where to place him. He, he's very he has become he wasn't always this way he's very critical of America and this book is why he's so critical of America and the funny thing is he comes from middle America from a very uh, what I would say conservative Republican religious part of America near, near Kansas City uh, Missouri, I think he's in Independence, Missouri. Maybe he's a he's a church planter, pastor there. Um, but he uh, he this book, what this book is about is you can tell is some has something to do with Babylon. And basically, what he says in this book is that Babylon. Although at first it refers to the actual empire of Babylon, from then on the word Babylon refers to the phenomenon known as empire, right? An empire has existed since the time of Babylon, even before Babylon there were empires, uh, and it, it, it persists to this very day. Uh, and generally speaking, empires uh, rise and fall, and there's usually only one uh, around at a time. Uh, although that's, well, maybe not, but there is definitely a strongest empire around at any time. I think you could argue that Japan was an empire uh, at the same time Nazi was an empire, or striving to become an empire. Um, and basically he defines empire as a a grab for money and power and the notion that you and your country have some kind of right to rule and subjugate other countries uh, and of course uh, the last conventional empire I would say was the Soviet Union, uh, where they <clears throat> actually took over and subjugated nations all around them, known as the Eastern Bloc, I think is what we used to call it, or the, the Iron Curtain. Um, of course, China's done this with, with uh, several 
um, places. Uh, I think um, you could argue that India, what's going on with Kashmir, uh, is is you know this proclivity. Um, but today, the empire that exists, another very famous empire, of course, was the British Empire. You have the Spanish Empire, the Portuguese Empire. Uh, before then, uh, I'd say, yeah, I already said the Nazis were a kind of an empire. The Japanese had an empire in Asia. Uh, the Chinese uh, are somewhat um, em empire-like in their the way that they deal with Tibet, for example. Um, Hong Kong, even I think you could say Taiwan. I think a lot of their their ambitions are uh, have to do with empire. But Brian Zahn defines America, the current American regime, especially as an empire. And the reason that Babylon uh, is always looked at in a negative way is that. Empire, by its definition, is anti-Christ. Empire is anti-Christ. And that's because it gets what it wants by violence or the threat of violence. Empires get what they want. Money, power, right, control. By violence or the threat of violence. And empires always have big armies and big war machines. The war machine of the ancient world was the horse. Um, Brian Zahn goes into uh, great lengths to describe. I, I highly recommend this book, um, but be ready to be a little bit shocked, uh, especially if you are a uh, red-blooded, die-hard American. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's a lot to swallow, but think it's I think it's it's the right pill to swallow uh, but it's definitely the red pill <laughs> um, because it exposes America for what it is um, and that's anti-christ and <laughs> it's not that it's not that only America is anti-christ there are lots of countries and regimes and empires down through the history that have been anti-Christ, but the fact that we get what we want by violence or the threat of violence juxtaposes us to the heart of Jesus. We are juxtaposed to the heart of Jesus. Unless you think we can somehow separate who we are politically from who we are spiritually. If you think there's a way to, to live in both realms at the same time uh, and that uh, neither realm need uh, cross over into the other uh, then sure maybe it's you know whatever uh, but I think anybody who understands Jesus knows that that's just not the way that he lived and not the way that he called his disciples to live what needs to be recovered and, and thank God through people like Brian Zond uh, and um, oh, I'm gonna lose his name here. Uh, Brian Zond, uh, Greg Boyd, uh, also uh, come on, come on, come on, come on, memory. 
Well, anyway, he, he wrote uh, a more Christ-like God. Brad Jerzak, thank you. Uh, as well as, I'll give a shout out to Joshua Wright. Jacob? Jacob Wright? Jacob, sorry, not Joshua, Jacob. Jacob Wright, who is a, a big um, Facebook slash probably uh, Twitter uh, voice um, who's also written a book which I don't have, don't have yet. They are helping Christians today recover the Jesus message of anti-violence. Um, we are called to be peacemakers, right? Not just peacekeepers, but peacemakers. Um, that violence is not the way of Christ. Uh, and so this book by Zond um, details using the scriptures, old and new, and especially Revelation, uh, as a critique on empire. That, that the Bible has always been juxtaposed to empire. Um, every empire. Uh, but since the 4th century and and the emperor, the Roman emperor Constantine, the church has been married to empire from that time until now. And that happened uh, through almost every regime. They, they, they somehow are comfortably wedded. Somehow they, they make it all work out. They use the Bible in, in creative ways, let's say, to to justify biblically their power grab, their power grabbing empire ways. Um, and so, yeah, th this, this was a huge revelation to me, this book. Uh, I, I always kind of, well, not always, uh, I've been leaning that direction anyway. I just didn't necessarily have vocabulary for what I was thinking. I mean, I could tell, I could tell that, you know, the way that America deals with the rest of the world was not Christ-like. I just had never uh, identified it as, uh, as Babylon, as empire, as antichrist. And so, basically, the problem this this unholy dichotomy, let's say, comes about because Christians, many Christians, uh, let's say evangelical Christians especially, view America more as the New Jerusalem, when actually it's the newest Babylon, and this changes everything. Right? This 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 makes a a huge problem. This is the problem. This is the definition of the problem. We, we have long been seeing America through rose-colored glasses and not seen it as the newest um, newest manifestation, the newest manifestation of Babylon. 
And as such, it is by definition antichrist. Now, Christians have lived in, uh, not only Christians, but even the Jewish people lived um, supposedly in pleasing ways uh, inside these regimes in the past. There have been Christians, uh, or the you know the the first uh, exiles to Babylon, they maintained their faith in in any way they possibly could, while not being stained by Babylon. And this is the story of Daniel, Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their stories are all about that, right? Living in Babylon but not being Babylonian, right? Maintaining their faith, uh, following the ways of their God. Um, the earliest Christians in the first, second, and third centuries uh, were the same way. They, they lived in the, in the big evil Roman Empire, which was the newest manifestation of Babylon of their time, yet they, they were able to be distinctly Christ followers, right? They, they refused to fight in the army, uh, and yet they paid their taxes, um, but they wouldn't worship the Roman gods, and many of them were killed for this, right? They were imprisoned and killed and tortured and jailed. Um, but this is how they saw what it meant to live in Babylon while not being Babylonian. The problem today is the church has embraced Babylon. And in doing so, has bastardized the way of Christ. The way has become marred and corrupted and crooked, right? Um, and it's really not hard to see. It's really easy to see. Get on YouTube and, and you know, look up Messiah and Trump. And you'll see that there are Christian leaders everywhere who, more or less, some more explicitly than others, have named uh, Trump as the next Messiah and support everything that he does um, no matter how unchristlike it may be um, who are happy to look past all of his faults just because he gives them a nod right and, and, and um, you know justifies justifies their their position or they feel justified because he has accepted their support or whatever I don't know um, but they've thrown their full support behind Trump and therefore all he does is okay because he's God's man he's God's chosen man right and this is the this is the kind of ideology that you get behind what brought Trump to power. It was largely done by the religious right, the moral majority, as they're also called. The right wing, the religious right wing of the uh, Republican Party. Um, <clears throat> but here's the, here's the rub, right? America did not just become an empire when Trump became president. 
we've been an empire pretty much since uh, we started taking Indian lands. Uh, and well, even before that, I, I think the, the British Empire was what caused, you know, uh, America to become a thing in the first place. We were the colonies, right? The 13 colonies of the British Empire in America. And then we became the, the 13 states once we became American. But still, that was empire. We took somebody's land, we fought them, we killed for it. And then we came up with uh, ideologies like uh, the Jeffersonian uh, ideology of manifest destiny. And that, that created the ideology by which we justified taking Indian lands and killing Indians, right? That, that we had a manifest destiny, that we were somehow blessed by God and were gifted the entire continent uh, or part of the continent of North America from, from sea to shining sea, as we like to say. Um, this is empire. It's nothing but empire. It may be a somewhat democratic or republican, uh, constitutional republican by nature, but it's still empire. It's, it's using force to grab what you want and thinking you have a right to it. That somehow it's been gifted to you by a higher power. This is empire. And this is how empire is and, and always has been. Now, empire is not just countries. You know, a lot of companies run on the idea of empire as well. And this is what, you know, where we get things that we call monopoly. What do we call empire <laughs> uh, in the business world? It's a monopoly. And it's illegal, right? And a lot of the, the ways of empire are actually illegal they're they're against um, uh, against international law the way empires work and yet because empires are the biggest bullies on the block generally they do what they want right uh, and what are what are people gonna do they've got bigger guns than us there's nothing we can do and so I think the call that that Jerzak Boyd and uh, Zond would put out there is stop touting America as the new Jerusalem and realize that it's it's the newest version of Babylon and resist you know let's resist we need to resist empire and it doesn't mean resist in a violent way because then that would be just doing empire from a, a weaker position. It means to resist in the way of Jesus, right? To to be in the world and yet not be stained by the world is resistance. To show love and mercy instead of uh, threat and hate and force is, is, is to resist, right? To, to live your life in such a way that uh, is anti-empire, right? To do everything in, a, in an opposite way is to resist, right? How do you do that? How do you resist empire? Um, it's pretty simple, re really, and, and it just involves following Jesus. Take the time to focus on Jesus and how he lived his life. Because Jesus was 
fighting two empires. He was fighting a political empire and the Roman government, and he was fighting the religious empire uh, of the uh, the Jews, right? He was he was fighting two different empires, and those two empires were colluding. Again, this is what we're talking about when religion and empire collude. All kinds of bad stuff happens, uh, but they can justify it, right? They they find ways to to make it okay in their mind to quell their conscious con consciences. Um, so I think the you know I think one of the ways forward for true believers in Christ is to see. America for what it is. Yes, pray for America. Pray for your leaders. But don't just accept whatever America does as okay because it's America. You know, that puts America on the level of a religion. Um, and it is. And it is. I, I, think, I think anybody who looks uh, at nationalism in an honest, unbiased way will see that really there's no difference between ultranationalism and and a uh, fervent religious follower, a zealous religious follower. So I highly recommend this book by Zond, uh, and I plan on getting some more books, audiobooks by him as well, uh, because I think he's he's onto something and he's he's a voice kind of more or less from the right that's where he comes from uh, but who has found the truth right he has found what's right in this situation and he's staking his claim there that Jesus is the way not empire and I'm gonna have to stop there today uh, I don't know if this was interesting to you or not. Um, Brian Zond will say it much better than I could ever do. Um, and he has other books on the subject, so I highly recommend them. Uh, another audio book I just started listening to uh, after that one. I listened to that one twice. It was so good and so important. Uh, I started uh, uh, Wright's um, big monumental work on Paul on audiobook. It's 15 hours of, uh, of his uh, biography on Paul. And I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's, yeah, it's something like 14, 1500 pages of a biography on Paul. So that's what I'm uh, looking at right now. And that's great too, so far. Um, and it has a lot of the same subjects. Um, but in how Paul dealt with it. So we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks always for listening, and you guys have a great week. Bye-bye.